Good morning, and it's great to see you here on Crossword Online again. Uh, it's such a privilege to be reading God's Word together with you. Uh, we are picking up uh, again in the book of Samuel as we work our way through it. Uh, so why don't I pray, and then we'll have a quick introduction and a read, and then have a look at the passage. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have written down for us, Lord, your thoughts and your purposes and plans and character um, uh, for us as human beings. Thank you also that you have uh, written down for us uh, how people think and how they reason um, and often, Lord, how they think and reason wrongly and how destructive that is and how uh, bad that is and how sad that is, Lord. And so we do thank you for that. Thank you that every part of your word is written down to instruct us, to warn us, uh, to teach us, to rebuke us and correct us, and to train us ultimately in righteousness. And we do thank you specifically, Lord, for the fact that you explore and make known uh, the specific ways in which human beings um, can undo themselves uh, in the way they think. And especially when you, Lord, are not... Uh, foremost in their thinking when you are not the one they are honoring and you are not the one that they uh, love and fear and uh, and uh, seek to obey and so we thank you lord for this thank you that you don't want us to set our hearts on evil things thank you that you also give us insight into how us as human beings can think and often do think and thank you that you are doing that so that we may be wise about our ultimate great need, and that's the need of salvation that comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, thank you for giving us this written record of, um, of the life of Saul and the life of David and uh, the first two kings of Israel and how they are foils and interplay with one another. And so we do pray that by your Spirit you may indeed instruct us so we may come to a deep conviction, Lord, about our own um, propensity uh, for uh, tragedy and for making bad decisions and being wise in our own eyes and actually uh, ultimately being a fool. So thank you that you do not hide these things from us. And thank you that you are open and clear about them. And so we do bring ourselves, Lord, uh, to you. And we ask that as we read your word, you will indeed um, instruct us uh, and uh, inform us and uh, help us, Lord, uh, to grow. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, yes, uh, as you know, we are in, uh, I would probably call it either uh, episode 5b uh, of chapter 18, which is very closely connected to what we looked at last week, or we can call it uh, episode 6 of our third season uh, that runs from 1 Samuel 16 to as uh, the end of the, the 1 Samuel uh, book 31. Um, and so here we find in chapter 18 uh, the first responses to David's great victory over uh, Goliath. Uh, we see how Jonathan uh, conspired and loved David and made a covenant with him and uh, basically handed over to him all his royal privileges of his robe and his weapons. Um, and uh, that's going to be picked up again later. So that's a good summary statement of the relationship between Jonathan and David. Uh, we also saw how the people love David, how uh, Saul's servants love David, how they sing about David. Um, and we also saw mainly Saul. Um, Saul, the king, who has got, in one sense, uh, the most to lose, I guess, uh, maybe a bit less than his son, Jonathan, but at least he was king. Um, he, how he responds and how he uh, shows the propensity for self-destruction. 
Um, and that's really what the Word of God sometimes does for us. It gives us the negatives uh, to help us to understand what the positive things is uh, to rather go for. And here we see described uh, when God takes his hand off someone's life because that person has uh, deliberately and consistently not listened to the voice of the Word of the Lord. Um, this is what we see happen. Um, and so this passage is in one sense uh, uh, kind of uh, sad, very sad. Uh, and uh, terrifying. Uh, and so it is given to us, as the Word of God says, to instruct us so that we may not set our hearts on the same things and do not follow the same patterns um, and so uh, destroy ourselves uh, ultimately. And so let's have a look. I'm going to pick it up there in chapter 18. We'll read the last verse which we looked at last week, verse 16, just to give the context. Um, and then we'll see a little bit more about Saul uh, here. Not so much only his emotional changes that we saw last week. Uh, he took David, he kept him, he wanted to use him, it kind of backfired on him. Uh, David got more and more uh, uh, honor and, uh, and awareness of David grew. Uh, Saul then became uh, very uh, angry and then he became very suspicious. And then he became, I want to say, mad when the spirit rushed, the evil spirit rushed on him. He tried to, in a, in a fit of rage or a fit of whatever he had, he tried to kill David twice. And then he became afraid. And then he became very afraid. Um, and so there we saw the emotional uh, kind of development uh, of, of Saul and his deterioration in, in, in the way in which he goes about things. Uh, here we're going to see further uh, how it works and uh, the sad reality of how wise uh, things seem to be to him, but actually how ultimately sad it is. And that is the nature of what we will discover this morning. So let's pick it up there. Verse 16 of chapter 18, it says, But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter, uh, Mirab. I will give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. But, Saul, but David said to Saul, who am I and what is my family or my, father, my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? So when the time came for Mirab, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was given in marriage to Adriel of Meloah. Now Saul's daughter, Michal, was in love with David. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him, and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, Now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. Then Saul ordered his attendants, Speak to David privately and say, Look, the king is pleased with you, and his attendants all like you. Now become his son-in-law. They repeated these words to David. But David said, do you think it is a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I am only a poor man and little known. When Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, Say to David, the king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. When the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted times elapsed, David and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. 
he brought their foreskins and presented the full number to the king so that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him his daughter, Michal, in marriage. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michal, loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy for the rest of his days. The Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle and as often as they did, David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers and his name became well known. <laughs> Again, what an intriguing, fascinating passage uh, telling us of someone's uh, thought patterns, someone's scheming, someone's um, conspiring uh, for evil, for bad. So last week, interesting enough, uh, we found that Jonathan's heart conspired, uh, was knit together uh, with the soul of David. Um, and it's quite difficult for us sometimes to think of how could conspiracy be a good thing. And uh, we'll see that as it develops. Uh, the human heart has the ability to take almost any and every word and concept and uh, twist it into either for good or for evil, for bad. And here we see, um, we're not really stated, we don't really know exactly how the conspiracy with uh, Jonathan is going to work out yet. But we will see that in the chapters uh, that come, how incredible one can conspire for good. Uh, it all depends on one's heart. Uh, or one can conspire for evil and bad, uh, again, depending on one's heart, depending on where God fits into one's heart and mind. And what we've seen from Saul uh, for quite a long time now is that Saul was a man who was fairly obtuse um, and unaware and to a large degree un, uh, disinterested in God himself. He um, uh, seemed to have missed most of the opportunities uh, to call out to God and to speak to God and to repent and to change his mind. And here we see the accumulation. So in one sense, this passage is uh, so sad. Uh, it shows us that a, a human being uh, doesn't always destroy themselves in one decision. Uh, it's actually decision upon decision upon decision because life affords us with many opportunities um, to do things either for good or for evil. Um, and here we find uh, Saul again, uh, now that he has his evil eye on David and he's tried to kill him, uh, Saul has realized he's not going to be able to do it. Twice he tried and twice he failed, um, uh, at least in the way that the text describes it for us. Uh, and here Saul decided, well, my enemy's enemy uh, is my friend. And uh, so Saul is conspiring in different ways, uh, not that he would kill David at this stage, uh, but that uh, the Philistines will do it. So it's very difficult to think how Saul was thinking, but that's the point, isn't it? Um, some plan when you are uh, so set on your goal to get rid of somebody like David in this instance, or get whatever you want, your own plans seem to make lots of sense to you. And they may be very uh, good to you, but when you read them like we are reading them from the outside, you kind of wonder what was he thinking? And how did he actually get uh, to think that this is going to work? Uh, because uh, so far, uh, the things was all in the opposite direction. So let's have a look. So uh, Saul decides he's going to try and get uh, uh, David to become his son-in-law uh, and by offering him his eldest daughter, uh, Mirab, uh, which is interesting. So if you go back to chapter 17, you remember that uh, the kind of uh, carrot that was dangled in front of anyone who would take on Goliath was that he would be given uh, a daughter of Saul, uh, that he would be made rich, 
and that he would uh, his father's uh, family would be exempt from paying tax. Uh, again, those words doesn't come out of Saul's own mouth, but difficult to believe that guys would walk around telling stories like that if there's not some uh, bit of smoke uh, behind it that Saul did offer a great reward for the one who would kill Goliath. Up until now, David who has has received nothing. And here comes the promise. And again, the promise is not because uh, he has killed the Philistine, but here the promise comes and we are told outrightly that is so that the Philistine may kill David. So he says, if maybe David is so excited to become my son-in-law and to marry my daughter, that he will uh, fight with abandon and uh, not think what he's doing and not uh, be wise about how he's going, which is really weird because last week we were told a number of times that whenever David went out, he was successful. And the word really means that he was shrewd. He was savvy. He He had a practical kind of wisdom that made him a great warrior Uh, and a great leader. But here again, uh, that's the point. Uh, Saul does not seem to be able to think uh, very far uh, because he is so uh, determined to get what he wants that he doesn't seem to think things through, which is very helpful for us as we we look at this. So here we are told uh, that's what he's saying. And then when the time comes, uh, he actually doesn't give his daughter uh, Mirab uh, to David. Now, when you look at this kind of conversation, uh, in the ancient world, it was part of a way in which you did negotiation. So the king would say, hey, you become my son-in-law, and the, so the possible son-in-law would say, no, Ira, I'm, I don't really deserve it. Uh, as he says, you know, who am I? Who's my family? And what land do we have? And, and uh, you know, how should I become your king? So it's just like a kind of a, a humble, uh, it maybe be really humble, or it may be part of the negotiations. And often this kind of thing went to and fro. So sometimes you read the story where a person two, three times declines the offer, and then you read the next line, and so they were married, or so the contract was signed. And you're like, okay. All the time the, the person's been declining and yet now it's signed. And that seems to be part of their culture, part of the public negotiation uh, to get things done. So we don't know really know what is going on here. Uh, David seems to be truly humble. Um, uh, but Saul obviously uh, maybe seems to be setting him up. Because verse 18, uh, verse, verse 19 says, So when the time came for Mirab, uh, Saul's daughter, to be given to David. So kind of a thing like the thing was decided and there was this this interaction and in that she was going to become his uh, wife and then uh, instead she's given to Adriel um, and where I mean that, that, that episode's gone now finished um, Saul's efforts didn't work and David yeah I mean, it's difficult to know exactly what happened isn't it and that's exactly the nature of, of narrative. Narrative sometimes sets you up for all sorts of possibilities so you can imagine uh, how different con- scenarios and then, um, yeah, you know, then, uh, the, then the story comes to a head. Uh, it helps you to be more engaged and more aware. So then Saul gets very good news, which so far has been very bad news for him. It's fascinating, isn't it? Saul has been upset and angry, remember, when all the women comes out and sing about the fact that he's killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And that upset him very, very much. Now his second daughter, actually, he's been told that she's fallen in love with David. And now our text is, and this pleased Saul, uh, which really is, is, is uh, the word means, and this is right in the eyes of Saul. This is righteous in the eyes of Saul. And you're like, what? I mean, he's been upset with everybody else loving David. Now his own daughter loves David, his second daughter, and he's pleased. But we are told what is going on. He says, I will give her to him. He thought, you see, now we are given insight into his thinking. And he says, so that she may be a snare to him. Uh, and we're going to find out the kind of irony of that reality in the next chapter. 
and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. And you think, now how is that going to work? How is she going to be a snare? And how is that going to help the Philistines again to kill him? Because the first plot didn't work out quite uh, with Mirab, and so he tries again. And so, again, you have this conversation. Uh, David, uh, Saul speaks to David, and then uh, Saul butters him up more by sending his servants to talk to him in verse 22. And, uh, and they repeat the words uh, to him uh, again. Oh, what a great uh, thing it would be. And then in verse 23, uh, David says to them, you know, do you think this is a small matter? You know, I'm only a poor man, which may be a little bit of a slight towards uh, Saul. What, you haven't paid me uh, the money you promised me for killing. So I'm still a poor man. Um, and I'm a little known. And that's a little bit of why a little known. I mean, everybody's singing about you killing your 10,000. So it's a bit weird. Uh, it may be just a self-defacing, uh, self-humiliation, humility side of David. But there the kind of negotiations is going on. So it becomes a little bit clearer why David is reluctant because it seems like he can't pay the bride price. Um, and that he uh, doesn't come from a wealthy and a very well-known family. In any case, Saul is now more determined than ever uh, to get his plan to work. So Saul uh, tells his sons, no, 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 Sal David, he doesn't have to worry about it. I only want a uh, hundred foreskins of uh, Philistines. What an incredible bride price. <laughs> Imagine the discussions later between Michal and uh, the other woman. Uh, and so what is your bride price? Um, and she says, no, mine was the, the uh, hundred foreskins from Philistine. So again, uh, Saul is this weird. Uh, David killed the most powerful, most terrifying, most fearsome uh, Philistine soldier uh, with a sling. Uh, and here he still thinks somehow the Philistines are going to be able to kill David. Which could mean, I mean, this is now where it's fantastic. We can, we can come up with all sorts of plans. Maybe you can come up with a reason why you think this is happening. Maybe Saul was thinking that was a lucky shot. I mean, it was a one-on-one, -on -one, and David was lucky, and he just struck him down, and uh, that's why I went. But in a war situation where he has to go, and his mind is not quite on the job because he's not really fighting, he's actually fighting for himself, so he's going to kill some Philistines. He may be uh, a little bit, uh, I don't know, reckless, uh, uh, a little bit more stupid, a little bit more exposed. I mean, an arrow or a sword can come from behind or, or something like that. I mean, difficult to know, but Saul, Saul was very, very keen uh, a second time. Uh, to use the Philistines, whom David has destroyed, to destroy David. And so here you see again uh, the real funny way in which uh, Saul's mind is working and how he, um, he uses uh, well, faulty logic and uh, thinking uh, because of his desire, uh, because he will not accept uh, God's uh, word to him, uh, that the kingdom is not his and the kingdom is being given to another. And so uh, the attendants uh, tell David, and this time it tells us, and so David was pleased. And this time it actually really says again, and this was right in the eyes of David. So Saul thinks his plan is right. David thinks his plan is right. So this is something that's going to happen. And then David goes out, and he doesn't kill 100 uh, Philistines. He kills 200 Philistines. I mean, he's really rubbing it in the face uh, of Saul. Uh, maybe he was not even doing it for that. He was probably just showing how good he is. And a terrible thing, he brought their foreskins and presented the full number to the king so that he might become the king's son-in-law. And so they were counting more 200 foreskins uh, for your daughter. Really, really gross uh, kind of a picture, isn't it? Uh, the Old Testament can be quite uh, uh, harsh in that sense. So here we find it. And then Saul had no option but to give his daughter, Michal, in marriage to him. And then verse 28 comes uh, a real, real, real sad reality. Um, especially when you keep on reading. It says, When Saul realized that the Lord was with David, 
and his, that his daughter Michal loved David, uh, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy for the rest of his days. And that little two phrases is fascinating. The words really in verse 28 says, When Saul saw, he perceived, he came to understand um, that, uh, and, that, and he knew that the Lord was with David. So far we have been told that David did these things because the Lord was in. But we are not told that Saul was actually consciously, personally aware of the fact that God was with David. It was David was successful, God was with him. But it doesn't seem to have Saul has made the connection. But here we are told outright in verse 28 that he saw and came to understand and know that the Lord was with David and that his daughter loved him. And Saul became terrified of David. But here's the sadness, the fear that again can be go two ways. I mean, I keep on saying it. Uh, conspiracy can go two ways. You can conspire for good or bad. Uh, you can think and thought and plan and scheme for good or bad. Uh, Saul keeps on doing it for bad. And here again, uh, the fear, the fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. Uh, fear in the Bible is sometimes positive, good, and sometimes negative. Um, and here again, he is afraid of David. And now we are told. That he not only keeps an evil eye on him, he doesn't even want to kill him. Uh, in one sense, he says he's now become his enemy. God's anointed king is now the enemy of Saul, who was anointed by God and rejected. And Saul does not have the humility and the awareness to see this and to accept this. And so his mind and his plans and his schemes take him on a downward spiral that is going to lead to his own destruction. A number of these things, again, are get picked up in the stories as they are being told into the future. But here we see the mind of a human, the mind of a king, the mind of somebody in power, the mind of somebody who wants. I mean, that's the human heart, isn't it? That's, the, that's why these passages are written down for us, the Bible tells us, to instruct us into how we desire and think and, and how we shouldn't. So we are being taught by a negative example. The human heart wants more. The human heart wants to hold on to. And that's the two sides of greed, isn't it? To be greedy is to take and to want more. And that's all starts out. With. He takes David and he keeps him. He won't allow him to go home. And he uses him for himself. Um, that's what he's after. He's a taker as we've seen so many times. And in the Bible, humans are takers. They are graspers. They grasp after more. They grasp after what they think will give them life. Um, they don't receive. They don't accept. They grasp. They are proactive. They are not just sinners. They are rebels. They grasp and grab after things. And so far, uh, David doesn't. Uh, David receives. Uh, David is given. Uh, he doesn't grasp. He he gets, God is with him. He is God's anointed. Saul, on the other hand, is a grasper. But not only is Saul once more, uh, we also see greed in a very different way, which is not that well known in our culture, maybe even in our own hearts, is that greed is not only wanting more, greed is being afraid of losing what you have. And here we see Saul is afraid to lose the kingdom, even though God has told him the kingdom is not his. Uh, he won't let go. He grabs and holds on for dear life. He is prepared to conspire in one sense, hoping that his enemies will kill his enemy. He, he, he actually sees David as a greater enemy than the Philistines. He is obsessed. His mind is twisted. He is 
his reasons are flawed. Um, and that's what the scriptures tells us. When man does not acknowledge God, when man suppresses the truth of the glory and the goodness of God, it, man's mind actually turns him into a fool. He actually thinks he's wise and he actually thinks he's able to get what he wants and hold on to what he has. Um, and he, in that sense, proves himself to be a fool. For life, as we are read here again, is determined by the Lord. And the Lord gives each human being multiple opportunities to come to that realization that life is a gift from God and that is not something man can grasp and hold on to. It is God who gives and it is God who takes. Uh, he is the one who raises up and He is the one who brings low. He is the one who gives life and He is the one who takes life. And that acceptance of the reality of the glory of God is something we see here in Saul is completely, almost seems like completely absent, isn't it? He's going to use God's name every now and again. But that makes it almost worse. He was supposed to know, but he doesn't. Again, you see how the scriptures spend some time helping us to see the really, really sadness of the brokenness of a human mind who thinks they can think and plan and scheme, uh, but does not have... Uh, an acceptance of the glory and the goodness of God and therefore rejects God's anointed. He becomes the enemy of God's anointed. And I mean, we've quoted it a number of times. Psalm 2 is probably the ultimate psalm. Do not stand up against the Lord and his anointed. The Lord, Psalm 2 says, laughs from heaven against those. And then they invite him, kiss the son before he turns and destroys you in his anger. And here again, to stand up against God and His anointed is, um, is really uh, not the wisest thing that anybody can do. If you think you can grasp at more of life and you think you can hold on to what you have and in your heart of heart, in your mind and soul, God's anointed isn't in the center of your thinking, then you will ultimately show yourself to be a fool. You may be very wise in your own eyes. You may be very, very sure your plan is going to work. But here we are told so clearly, uh, and you see it, uh, it backfires in this case. And sometimes it takes many, many, many years to backfire. We are now in chapter 18. Uh, this plan is only going to come to fulfillment and backfiring on Saul. And we're going to see how interesting. He's conspiring using the Philistines going to backfire on him. And they're going to be the reason why he dies. It takes a long, long time sometimes for someone to destroy themselves by multiple ways of thinking not in line with the word of God and so here we have in this part of the word of God a very uh, kind of a sad uh, picture uh, what human beings can be like and how we can um, undo ourselves and destroy ourselves and so the word of God tells us read these passages think them through see if there's anything like that in your own heart and mind uh, and bring it to the Lord, admit it to Him, uh, confess it to Him, uh, because He is the one uh, who is giving you the opportunity to become aware of it in the first place, so that He may have mercy on you, so that He may be gracious to you. So God is sometimes, like here in this case, lifting literally simply His hand off Saul, and Saul is on a way destroying himself. Uh, God is not intervening, uh, and that's a terrifying thought. That if God leaves me and you to our own devices, we will undo ourselves and ultimately destroy ourselves. And so, today, 
is a day of salvation. Today is a day to recognize the tendency I have to not have God first and foremost and God's anointed in the center of my thinking. I am, my plans are, and my desires, and my hopes, and my dreams are. And so here that passage really helps us again to just take ourselves in one sense uh, into hand and to think through. Am I planning and scheming and dreaming and hoping? Uh, but it is not in line with the Lord's anointed. Because when you set yourself up against the Lord and His anointed, His enemy, um, there really is, according to the Bible, no other place for you to go but to destruction and to lose. Very well-known passage, which kind of reflects the exact opposite of Saul here, is, is, is Philippians chapter 2, where we are told how Jesus Christ did not grasp, did not grab onto uh, being equal with God. He let it go. He gave it up. And he became a servant. And he became a human. And he came to take upon himself all our failures and brokennesses. And he carried it to the cross. And he died on the cross for us. And, and then the text is, Therefore, because this is the mind of Christ, this is the mind of God's anointed, um, God has raised him up above all rule and authority and power. And every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And there, this passage shows us uh, how dangerous it is when we put ourselves first and foremost and not accept God's anointed King. If we make Him our enemy, if anybody makes them His enemy, they will start to think and plan and scheme for better and for more and to keep what they have, but it will lead to their own destruction. Even if they are pretty convinced, their own things will work. So my prayer is, is that God may grant you insight into your own heart and insight into a human heart. Every single human has this malady, this insanity inside ourselves so that we may be filled with compassion and a desire to help someone, help ourselves first, like always, and help others to see that to try and live in God's world without acknowledging God and seeking Him and seeking His anointed and being His anointed's friend and loving His anointed and kissing His anointed, as Psalm 2 would say, is to be an utter fool. And it's a sad reality that people can claim to be wise when they're actually foolish. So may God grant you insight May He grant you the ability to not see it only, but to know it. And here we are told in 28, Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and yet he made David his enemy. That is probably the saddest verse that I can imagine uh, that could ever happen. And I pray that it never happens to me, and I pray that it never happens to any other human being. Seeing and knowing the Lord's anointed, and yet turn him into an enemy. May God make you a friend today. As you confess it, He will adopt you. He will forgive you and He'll adopt you. And He'll make you His child. And He will give you life. You don't have to grasp for it. And you will be able to grow in wisdom um, in the knowledge of the righteousness and the goodness of God. So this morning, uh, we have had a hard word in one sense. And a good word of reflection deep insight um, and to plot and see 
where our minds and thoughts go. May God be gracious to us all. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came and perfectly uh, loved and obeyed you and with delight and with hope um, even in the midst of him having to suffer and see how broken and and futile and uh, self-destructive every other human being that he bumped into was like. And so no wonder he came and uh, he gave up uh, everything that was here so that he may uh, pay the penalty for us. How would we ever, ever thank you, Lord? How could we ever uh, give you the glory that is your due because of that? And so we bring our own hearts to you and we say, Lord, please show us where we, uh, even if we know we, where we still think and plan and scheme uh, in a way that is contrary uh, to your grace, your truth, your anointed one, Jesus Christ. Thank you that we have this opportunity to reflect deeply, to listen to the instruction, to let the weight of it rest on our hearts and our minds so that we will indeed grow. Lord, glorify yourself by enabling us to see the difference between Saul and to see the difference between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to recognize how utterly different he is, how utterly better it is to follow him than to follow one's own thoughts and one's own desires and one's own ambitions and one's own schemes and plans and conspiracies. Thank you that you help us to make us more aware of how these things work. To you indeed be all glory and praise. And we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, we ask for your cleansing. Lord, we ask for your restoration. And Lord, we ask for your righteousness in the name of your Son to be put to our account and to put it into our hearts and our souls and our minds and our strengths so that we may grow and glorify you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, hope that uh, we will catch up again next week. And may God indeed uh, encourage you uh, to look uh, into your heart and to look into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, may you see uh, how much more wonderful it is uh, to trust Him than oneself. Thank you. Bye-bye.